Business is brought to you by Audible.com. And welcome to this week's episode of Married with a Business. I'm Craig. And I'm Allison. And we're Married with a Business. We're here to share tips, tricks, stories, and, uh, you know, life hacks. That's a thing, right? Sure. About what it's like to be a married couple that own and operate a business together. Yeah. So, Craig, we didn't have an episode last week because in Massachusetts and New England, we have this unique vacation for school, February vacation. Right. Um, we do February and April vacation here in New England. So we took a little break. And what did we do? Yeah. So I'm from the mid-Atlantic originally. So we don't get February vacation. And we also get out of school earlier than kids get out of school. But we do this February vacation. And this year, last year, we kind of last minute planned something. I think we talked about on the show, we like went to Mystic, Connecticut and did like the uh, aquarium last year. This year, I planned something a little bit better, a little little bit more together. So planned, we took the kids to Cooperstown, New York. We went to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, and then we did a couple of museums on our way back from New York into Massachusetts. Um, it was great. I mean, I've been to Cooperstown before. I love baseball. Uh, and which we'll talk about later in the show. I don't think anybody knows that we are a baseball family. I mean, we talk about baseball a lot in this show. This is like, I should almost tag baseball in, hashtag baseball in this podcast because we talk about it so much. Uh, but no, we love baseball. My Our youngest plays baseball. My, our oldest loves like collecting baseball cards and is super into that. So it's, it was fun for them. They had a great time going to Cooperstown, learning the history of baseball, listening to their dad like pontificate at like every stop about, you know, this guy did this and this was this and this is why this was the best player ever. Yeah, and you know, one of the great things about going to a museum is you kind of learn things that worked in history and that didn't work in history and that kind of leads us into this week's guest. We have a fan favorite back again, Jennifer Smith Brockling from Murphy Business Sales and this week she's kind of, she's talking to us about um, some cautionary tales. Uh, Murphy Business Sales sells helps people sell businesses and so they've worked with lots of different people and uh, we got a great chance to hear what sometimes what doesn't work and what does work with uh, small businesses yeah and I think you know the reason we've we've had Jennifer on multiple times is as an entrepreneur one of your things should always be to be building your business to either be sellable or multi-generational and so she has such great insight to that and has a really you know really good mindset for it so this is a great interview with Jennifer about some of those cautionary tales as you get ready to start thinking about selling your business and maybe why you should be a little bit ahead of the curve Happy to welcome back Jennifer Smith Brockling of Murphy Business Sales. Jennifer, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thanks for having us, Craig and Allison. Good to see you. Good to see you again. Uh, tell us again, just to remind us, how did you get into doing business uh, valuations and selling businesses for people? Oh, my goodness. So I spent about 15 years in banking and uh, working on the corporate side of the house. And in my job in, in the bank environment, I was able to help uh, my banks buy and sell, right? Buy and sell banks. And um, so I never really thought much about that until later in my career, I left banking and started a consulting firm. And my clients started asking if we could help them buy and sell. 
And I thought, well, gosh, I know how to buy and sell a bank, but I don't know how to buy and sell anything else. So um, we went looking for a partner and found Murphy Business. It's the largest business brokerage firm in North America. And uh, our ethics aligned and our values aligned. And so we decided to partner with them. And that was uh, about, gosh, 13 years ago. Jen, one of the things you guys talk about is you want to be an ethical business broker who sets buyers and sellers and um, up for success in the next chapter of their lives. One of the things we're going to talk about today is kind of some of those cautionary tales about things that you've seen and how how you can do that. So um, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you have seen and what is it that you guys do to help set people up for success? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> we, unfortunately, we run across a lot of cautionary tales um, because there are some things that happen when you own a business and some assumptions that you make and decisions that you make that sometimes you just don't understand the gravity of, of the assumption or the mistake, right? So um, one of the ones that, that we talk about a little bit and we encounter periodically is we had a retail business owner call us. Um, they owned a kind of a retail boutique, very, very um, good online presence, good curb appeal. Um, they had great, um, great aesthetics. And they called and said that they wanted us to uh, help sell them and value them, right? So we were talking with them and he said, I think I know what the business is worth, but I want you to validate it. And then I want you to go get me that dollar amount for it. And I said, okay. I said, well, what do you think that the business is worth? He said, well, I'm pretty sure it's going to be worth $3 million. Well, that's a lot for an online and, and you know, bricks and mortar retail boutique, but okay, well, that better be some really stellar financials, right? So I said, okay, well, let's take a look at the financials and we'll see. So we did a valuation on it and the valuation came in at $300,000, Wow, not $3 million. So, you know, before we delivered the valuation, I asked him, I said, um, I just got to ask you, where did you come up with that 3 million figure? And he said, well, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple years ago about a company that seemed kind of like mine. And uh, they they disclosed what the multiple was of earnings that they sold for. And so I just applied that multiple to my earnings. And I came up with $3 million. So that's what I gave my bank. That's what I gave my financial planner. And that's what I've been operating against. And, and that's the buyer that I want you to find. I said, well, here's the thing. There's a reason why that deal made the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> yeah. Because... It's an anomaly. It's really unusual. That is not a normal multiple in your industry. And, um, and you know, that, that doesn't apply to you. And so um, he was absolutely devastated um, at the 300,000, probably also kind of thinking that we were wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the, the really tragic part of the story is he called us back a couple years later, said that he had been diagnosed with cancer. He had been going to he had been given a couple months to live and the bank had relied on the 3 million figure and the financial planner and his wife had been relying on the 3 million figure. And that wasn't anywhere near uh, what he could actually get for it. And he was completely underwater from a debt standpoint and financially his passing was absolutely devastating for the widow. Wow. So that's a cautionary tale to say you need to really, really know what your business is worth and not just what you think it's worth, 
or what your uncle's company sold for or what you read in, in a magazine or on in a newspaper, but really, really know what your business is worth so that you're not making assumptions that are going to come back to uh, to really haunt you and your family later. So that that's a good point. So you were saying that the bank and the financial planners were all kind of using that number that he had created for them for their for their financial planning. So as a small business, I'm assuming you would recommend getting evaluation done as part of that retirement and financial planning as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, your financial planner does great things. They've got great software. They've got great predictive tools and things like that. But it's garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you're telling your financial planner that your company is worth something and it really isn't worth that, high or low, then the information that you're getting from your financial planner so that you don't outlive your money isn't worth what you're, what you think it is. Um, and you know, gosh, I wouldn't want somebody to make a retirement decision or something like that based on bad information. Well, and I think a lot of times, especially for small businesses, uh, there's a lot of times where there is like a owners tend to have a blurry line between personal finances and business finances. And there tends to be sometimes that issue of when you're trying to plan things, well, maybe you've never had to pay for a cell phone out of pocket. Your cell phone's always been a business expense, but as you're sort of planning, and that's a small thing, but as you're sort of planning to think about those, those delineations between those two things. Yeah. You know, that's, that's absolutely true. And, and actually, Craig, I've got a story about that one too. I think I've got a story about just about everything, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, we, we were working with a seller um, and uh, we were working with her in the, in the latter part of the year, in the fall, and we were getting ready to package her business up for sale. And so we decided to list it in January because there's a lot of activity, buyer activity in January. So we go to list it, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're putting the final touches on everything. And we see a whole bunch of really, really large expenses going through in December of the previous year. And so we asked about that and she said, oh my goodness, we did that for tax purposes. Okay. And it was some little bit more than gray area expenses related to uh, personal items and, and things like that. Right. And so from a tax standpoint, she saved some money on the previous year's taxes. But from our standpoint, um, she didn't think that was going to be a big deal for the valuation. And I said, well, you know, we can add those things back as if they didn't happen. But then we have to find a buyer who's either going to A, pay cash, or B, that you're going to sell our finance. Because if a, if a buyer takes those financials to the bank, you're not going to get credit for them, especially if they go to get an SBA loan or something like that, because what you did isn't technically legal, right? Right. And so if it's not technically legal, we can't give you credit for it because the bank won't give credit for it and the buyer can't get a loan against it. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And um, we ended up not being able to get that deal banked and we had to get a little bit more creative with the financing. on. So yeah, she saved a little bit of money on her taxes, but we ended up not getting a two or three multiple on those earnings on the back end. So it's kind of like stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime, you know? Right. And that's, that's one of those situations where I think 
you know, I, I would I would guess that a lot of small business owners do things like that in a normal year. But when you're starting to sell uh, or starting to at least think about it, you've got to start preparing for that in advance. Um, and so that's where, you know, dealing and con- con- contacting a broker and getting that valuation can definitely help. Absolutely. And we really like to talk to people three to five years out because we like to help them um, make good decisions related to their tax planning and make help them make good decisions related to their investments because there are some things that you certainly can do and it's not going to harm your value, but there are other things that you will do uh, or could do that you could have some really big unintended consequences. How, like thinking about, because I think a lot of small business owners, they get to that point where maybe they are five years out. I would hope, I mean, I'm sure you don't get a ton of 10 year out people, but maybe you get some, but it's probably those last five years when they're really starting to think about it. How will they, what's the easiest way to find a broker? I mean, I, I don't feel like, you know, it's not like a mortgage lender or somebody that just falls off a of trees around every corner. I feel like a business broker is a little bit more of a specific person that you have to like kind of search out and interview and get to know. Yeah, it, you know, it really is. And, you know, the the thing, Craig, that you really got to be careful about is um, there are no um, legal credentials. There are no credentials that are required for you to call yourself a business broker. Really? So you could call yourself a business broker tonight, hang out a shingle and start wrecking companies. You could, you wow. could do that if you wanted to. So when you go to a CPA for accounting advice, you know that they have passed the CPA exam. Right. When you go to a lawyer for advice, you know that they passed the bar exam. When you go to a business broker, that person may not have any experience doing anything and they can still call themselves a business broker. Wow. So it, because it's unregulated like that, you have to be a little bit more cautious and do a little bit more due diligence. So what you want to look for is a business broker with a lot of alphabet soup after their name. So, um, you know, you, you want to look for things um, like a, a BCI designation, a board certified intermediary, or you want to look for um, things like a, a certified merger and acquisition intermediary. You want to look for those certifications because um, that means that those people have been through enough training and have done enough deals to get uh, and, and, and past exams to be board certified. And that's the kind of the best you can do in terms of credentials. But I guess the other thing is um, that, that folks need to know is business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions. Um, it's a very, very dirty cutthroat industry. And you want to make sure that, that you do your homework, that you feel really, really comfortable with the person that you're talking to about having, you know, helping you buy or sell your company. Um, look for referrals from your CPA or your, or your um, financial planner or your attorney. Um, and realize that there are a lot of folks out there like us that work nationwide. So you don't have to find a business broker in your local market. You can find a business broker that you connect with, that you feel like you can trust, that you can um, really um, have candid conversations with that has your best interest at heart. Um, and they don't necessarily need to be in your zip code. They can be really anywhere in the country. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And just like in our, I mean, we're general contractors in our industry. They're bad contractors out there. I imagine there are bad brokers out there. And I imagine that there's, you know, finding that right person and getting those references if that's what you need or 
or those, like you said, looking at those certifications, it's really interesting. I can't believe that they, they're actually no like overarching, you know, regulatory uh, body over top of that industry. I can't believe it either. There, there are some states that require a business broker license, um, but not many. Um, and there are some states that require you to have a real estate license to sell businesses, whether they have real estate or not. Um, but those are few and far between also. Most of the states are just completely unregulated. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it makes for some interesting competition. <laughs> That's crazy. Have you had experiences where people have come to you after having tried to work with a broker that where they had a bad experience? What What are the things that you try to do to reassure somebody that um, they're getting the right fit? with you the second time around. Yeah. Once they've been burned, you really kind of have to take things on a slow roll for a little bit and establish, reestablish trust, right? Years and years ago, there was a company um, here in the Midwest that would go out into new markets with some very slick salespeople. They would hold these big conventions and invite business owners to come in and they would offer business valuations And they would offer to list your business for sale for a monthly fee. And so depending on the size of the business, it could be anywhere from $25,000 to $100,000 to list that business for sale. And so they they would value the company. They would tickle the business owner's ears and tell them that it was worth way more than what it really was in order to get the companies to list with them, right? Now they've got an engagement agreement. They've got those companies locked up and they would charge a monthly marketing fee. And all the broker would do is put it on their own website and collect the monthly fee. <laughs> so just a, just a listing, just a listing up there. Yep. Yeah. And they, they listed it on their own website and that's all they did. Wow. So these companies, you know, they got fleeced for twenty five, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars And then it comes time to really sell their business and they're really gun shy and you can't blame them because they literally flushed that money down the toilet and got nothing for it. And they didn't realize at the time that their business was not worth anywhere close to what the company said it was worth. So we've got to reset expectations and then, you know, really assure them that your process is completely different. Um, And, uh, and talk about close ratios and, um, you know, introduce them to to people that have had good experiences, and that's where Google reviews comes in and things like that. So, um, there really are some some pretty sharky people in our industry that you've got to watch out for. Yeah, it's 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 always terrible to see, and that's in any industry. It's always terrible to see you know you having to spend good money after you spent bad money. So um, that's rough. We, we've talked a lot, Jen, about sad stories and bad stories, but it, on the whole finding the right person, once you find that right person, that selling the business, it can be rewarding and can be great for somebody to have that ability to move to retirement. There has to be some, there's good stories out there too, right? Oh, the good stories are just awesome. <laughs> They're so great. So I'll share a good story with you and we'll end with that. How's that? That's great. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Not the Debbie Downer of all your podcasts. <laughs> right. Well, we said we were talking about the cautionary tales, but we need to end with a with a good tale. 
Yeah. So we had an agricultural business uh, come to us a couple years ago, and they were a really neat uh, family-owned business. And we valued them, and it wasn't quite what they were hoping for in terms of uh, having the ability to retire and not be stressed about money. And so um, part of what we do when we value a company is if, if it's not quite enough for the owners to retire, then we'll do some light coaching and we'll say, these are the things that we're seeing. These are the things that, that you could do to very quickly, you know, some tweaks that you can make to very quickly turn things around on the earnings front and give them some recommendations. Now, if, if they want to follow that advice, great. And if they don't, that's okay. This particular business took copious notes while we were doing our valuation. They took, they wrote down every piece of coaching advice that we gave them along the way. And a little over a year later, they came back and they said, hey, we want to do that again. I said, oh, wonderful. You know, really looking forward to that. They said, we implemented absolutely everything that you told us to. We are making so much money. We can't believe it, but we still want to retire. And can you revalue us? And over a period of about 18 months, they had doubled the value of their business. Wow. wow. We hit the magic number. We sold the company to somebody who was in the industry. They got exactly what they wanted. And they're now retired and happy and, and doing really, really well. And they feel really good about who bought the company. They feel good about what happened with the employees. They feel like their customers are taken care of. And they got twice what they would have had they not valued early. Right. And I think that's, that is exactly the, you know, the great part about that. And the thing that people need to remember is like taking that time and pre-planning and even, I mean, that person did it in 18 months, you could three years, five years. It's, is it ever too early to sit there and start thinking about it? Yeah. I don't think it's ever too early to figure out how it works and what the multiples look like in your industry. Because I think the better educated you are about how it's going to work when you want to divest of that business someday, the better decisions you'll make along the way. Yeah. And the better decisions you make, the more value you're going to get on the back end. So we tell people, you know, value often, value early, um, figure out how it works, if only for a good educational experience and to help you make better decisions going forward. And then when we get closer to that jumping off point, you're going to be rock solid and you're going to know what matters and why. Jen, thank you so much. If people have more questions about their specific um, business, how can they reach out to you and uh, ask you those questions and see about getting evaluation? Sure. So our website is murphybusinessofcapecape.com. And our phone number is 573-335-1888. Eight, five. Awesome. And you can just go to our website, marriedwithabusiness.net, and all that information's there too. So Jennifer, thank you so much for coming back. We'll hopefully see you next season. We love to hear the stories and we want to make sure that people are planning ahead to, you know, retire. Very good. It's always a pleasure and I'll come back anytime. Listen, it's always great to have Jennifer on the show. I, I it continually am amazed at uh, the things that you need to do to start selling your business and the things that you need to think about. 
Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I've been really thinking about this year and have on our goal list is kind of that looking ahead a little bit more. What's that like long term plan? What are those what if things we need to start thinking about? And what I think is interesting is, you know, in an ideal world, Jen is saying, you know, three to five years before you're ready to start thinking about selling, you should start having these conversations. And so that kind of for people like us in our mid 40s, as we're starting to think about, you know, that long term plan that kind of adds to that calendar of things we should be thinking about. Well, and I think and she I was great. I was really grateful that she brought it up. It's one of those things that I think most business owners struggle with is like understanding the value of their business and what it's worth. And like you may do X million dollars a year in revenue, but what does that mean? Right. And I think I I mean, I struggle as a business owner sometimes wondering, like, how, how much is my business worth? Yeah, it never really occurred to me that the business valuation should be part of the discussion with the retirement planning. What is it worth now? And what do we want to get it to be worth by the time we're ready to retire? And I think I would venture to guess, and I'm, I would all, I honestly, I know that I probably fall in this same category. Like I think most business owners probably think their business is worth more than what it's really worth. Oh, definitely. You know, and I think Jen's example was good. If we see it in the paper or we see an article about it online, those are the outlier companies, right? Though We can't use those as comparables. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, and I, and I know this is you know, one of those things, there is that gray area a lot of times with personal finances and business finances. And, and I think you know, understanding that ahead of time so that whatever it might be, you know, three, five, ten years out, you're being a little more cautious about how you do things. Um, And the research aspect, I think, was a really good tip because, you know, every industry has predatory people. We are in residential remodeling and we caution people against what to look for and what not to get into all the time. And I think that, you know, a lot of times you don't know what you don't know until you get burnt. And so um, learning from other people's mistakes is sometimes a good way to learn. Yeah, you know, that whole concept of throwing, you know, good money after bad is something that we see a lot in our industry for our business. You know, people hire a guy and he he doesn't show up or he takes a deposit and does a bunch of demo and doesn't finish. Um, and I think that you see that in a lot of industries. And so definitely something to, to kind of be ca- cautious about. But there were also good, I mean, it was good that she also told good stories too. Oh, yeah. Like the whole idea of like starting with somebody like her or, you know, whatever it might be, three, five years out saying, this is where I need to be. This is where I want to be and planning. And then, you know, somebody like Jen or somebody to evaluate your business and tell you, okay, here are the things you need to do to get there. And thinking about it early. So maybe you can retire even and pass your business along even before you think you might want to. Yeah. So definitely glad that Jennifer joined us again. Jennifer Smith Broccoli. Check her out. MurphyBusinessOfCape.com. They are great. They can help you if you're starting to think about selling your business. If you're a couple of months, years, decades out, they're a great resource to reach out to and talk to about what you need to start doing today. Hey, Craig, what did you listen to over break? Oh, yeah. So with us going to the Baseball Hall of Fame, I was trying to find a book that was, you know, sort of business based, but also baseball based because and there and you know, what's funny is that there are a lot of them. There's a lot of like business based and baseball based book, but I did find a great one that just came out last year by Ted Mayer, Championing the Cause of Leadership, a leadership book that looks at the dynasties of baseball. And so what they do, what he does is he talks about like 
how a dynasty, some of these dynasty teams like the Yankees of the 90s or the Red Sox of the of the early 19 teens uh, became dynasties and, and what, you know, not only what their ownership did and their management did, but what team players or managers did to help lead and grow those teams to be the dynasties, the decisions that were made, the leadership choices that were done and, and what players, how players acted. And one of the stories you talked about that I really liked was how the Yankees of the late fifties, early sixties were a dynasty, but then kind of fell apart when they made the wrong decision as, as owners to, trade away Roger Maris but keep Mickey Mantle and Mickey Mantle was a problem in part of his career with drinking and other issues and so it talks about you know understanding who's the the cancer in your in your business and who can you know who can help you grow your business so it's a really good book championing the cause of leadership by Ted Mayer and you guess where you can get it Allison audible.com that's right I'm listening to it on audible.com and you get a free 30 days of audible on us it's easy just go to audibletrial.com slash bizmarried Sign up there. You get a free 30 days. You can download that book or any other book that you like. So check that out. Hey, and if you have something that you think you'd like to share with us, you think you might have a good fit or, you know, a tip or a resource, or you'd maybe you'd like to be interviewed on the show, check out our website. Yeah, if you go to marriedwiththebusiness.net, you can fill out our form, and it'll send us an email, and you and I can chat a little bit, and we can get you on the show. Yeah, so definitely check that out, marriedwiththebusiness.net. Net. You can also find us on social media. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at BizMarried. And you can just search for us on Facebook. Just search Married with a Business. See what we have to share. See what's uh, going on. We'll be back soon with another show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, not only is it important to focus on your business, but also your marriage. Because we're Married with a Business. Married with a Business.